Welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I hope all the moms, grandmothers, and single dads had a very happy Mother's Day weekend. If you are a mom, this episode is going to be especially tailored for you. I had the pleasure of speaking with Diana Renee of The Decluttered Mom, a website devoted to helping moms and busy people in general manage their lives, homes, and stress levels. She is an incredibly sweet person. I had so much fun speaking with her, and I was so inspired by listening to this episode that halfway through editing, I actually paused it to tackle some neglected clutter around my home. And I hope it inspires you too. This is episode 32, and you don't want to miss it. Stick around. I'm Diana Renee, and I help busy moms fully declutter their homes and also implement systems and routines so that they can find time to do what they love instead of just feel like they're picking up after everyone all the time. You just finished up a decluttering workshop, or is that still going on? A, a five-day challenge uh, where the women had simple tasks to do every day to reduce visual clutter just to get used to the feeling of a room that doesn't have visual clutter. And obviously visual clutter and actual clutter can be different things, but we're kind of just starting that at that point because it helps us to see what, what the potential of our home could be if it isn't cluttered. I love that. That's kind of something I've been doing during this shelter in place is I've been reorganizing my bookcases and kind yeah. of taking out the excess and deciding what I love and what's, you know, unnecessary clutter. So that's awesome. Right. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, you know, when we walk into a space that feels really cluttered or is very cluttered, it immediately like stresses us out or overwhelms us or makes us feel anxious. And then we're we're in springtime right now, even though you wouldn't know it in Denver. We just had like eight inches of snow the, the other oh, day. Wow. <laughs> but normally, you know, when it's spring and we start opening the windows and we do the whole spring cleaning thing and you walk into your home after that, it, it feels totally different. And that's kind of what clutter does. It, it puts a damper on how you feel in your home. I totally agree. Yeah, I always tell my fiance that when I'm organizing and decluttering and everything, I I tell him that it's directly correlated to how I feel in my mind. If I'm mm-hmm. looking at a cluttered space that's become a catch-all, it definitely translates to clutter in my mind or feelings of anxiety, so I can Absolutely. Totally behind that. So there was something that caught my eye when I first saw your website. And that was you referring to what you call a minimal-ish life. I love that so much. It's so relatable because I think most of us, and especially those that are just starting out on their journey, may feel like they're not minimal yet, but they're Mm -hmm. minimal-ish. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean when you use that phrase? Yeah, absolutely. So when I went through like the whole process of decluttering our house, I got rid of 70% of our household belongings, which is kind of crazy. Um, But even then, I didn't feel like a minimalist. Um, And I'm using air quotes, but you can't see me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And the thing is, is I just think there is a certain 
like connotation when it comes to minimalism or minimalist. And I don't think it's necessarily right because there are so many different versions of minimalism. Um, I just, for whatever reason, when I, when I think of minimalist, I think of like a white room with one modern couch and like a plant in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, you oh know, it's like you're not allowed to have anything else. And it, and it feels very... Um, it feels like deprivation to me when I hear the word minimalist. And so um, for me, it was like, well, I am kind of a minimalist because we don't have very many things, but I guess I'm minimalish. And that's kind of where that came up. And I don't think a minimalist is like a bad word or like anyone that that aligns with that is a negative thing. It's just for me and in our situation, it didn't feel like it aligned with our family. Something I echoed in my YouTube channel a lot, but I haven't really reiterated on the podcast is that there's no one way to be a minimalist. And so that's kind of the focus of this episode that I'm going to be recording today. So yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) You are definitely on my level. You are speaking my language. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So minimalish. I love that. So what inspired you to start living more minimally or clutter-free? So let me tell you just kind of a story about how I, I accidentally became, (laughs) I went into this journey. So I have two kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, both girls. And Mm -hmm. when my second was born, um, she was colicky. So she would just red, she was just like red face screaming 24 seven. She would only sleep for 15 minutes at a time for the first three months of her life. (laughs) Um, and it was rough, but there, yeah, there was one night in particular when she was about three weeks old where it was three in the morning and I was in the bathroom with her because that was the only place in the house that I could get her to calm down a little bit. And so I would have the lights off and the shower was running for noise and, um, the noise machines were running too. And I had her swaddled and was bouncing her on a yoga ball And, um, I just remember, like I had been in that position essentially for three weeks because that was the only place I could get her to calm down. And I remember this time for whatever reason, I was just kind of looking around the bathroom and there was piles of laundry and a dirty diaper in the corner. And I don't think I could have told you what color our countertops were because they were so full of stuff, you know? And I just remember feeling like I was suffocating, like I couldn't breathe with all that stuff surrounding me. And I think I've always felt that on some level, but it didn't, it wasn't as apparent to me until that moment for whatever reason. So I finally got her to sleep. I put her down in her pack and play. I walked back to my bed. I pushed over the the clean clothes that I still hadn't folded like four days later and laid down and I just sobbed and just cried and just was thinking like I couldn't manage our home with one child how am I going to do it now with two um and it was just a really rough moment for me so I remember calling my mom the next morning and like telling her everything and like I can't do this and luckily she told me told me to give myself a lot of grace so I did She's like, you can worry about your house when, you know, your baby's actually sleeping longer than 15 minutes at a time Yeah, get out of this survival mode. So then when she was about three months old, um, the colic finally lifted, thank God. And 
I remember feeling like I was starting to get into a routine with having two kids and still looking around and feeling like I couldn't breathe in my own home. And I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And a friend had told me about a documentary called The Minimalist on Netflix. I'm sure you're familiar with that. (laughs) And so I watched it and I, I had two kind of like conversations going on in my head. On one side, it was like, wow, this is amazing. This is what I need to do. I need to get rid of everything. And then the other side of my head was like, well, these guys are like in their early 20s and they don't have kids. So of course they can become minimalist, you know? Um, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. And I just started getting rid of stuff. Um, and it took me like nine or 10 months because I had a lot of emotional obstacles that I had to overcome with decluttering. But um I finally got to the point where it felt like I could breathe again in my own home. And I realized just kind of what it opened up for me, not only having a cleaner home, that was kind of a nice byproduct, but it was really more about feeling like I had more time. I could be more intentional with my kids. I could actually sit down and watch a movie with my husband without feeling guilty because of all the other stuff I had to clean and pick up. Um, and it just, it, it changed my life and it changed the life for my family too. Well, it sounds like it gave you a lot of mental clarity as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really, really, really common and it's just not talked about like in motherhood, I think survival mode is just kind of to be expected or that's what is perpetuated in our society is like when you become a mom and you have young kids, like you just have to survive the next 15 years, you know, until they're teenagers and then you have different problems to deal with. But I don't think that has to be the case. I think there are seasons for survival mode. Absolutely. But I don't think that that has to be the norm. And I don't think we're talking about that enough. I love interviewing moms and dads because I don't have kids. And my fiance and I don't foresee kids in our future. So this is an angle that I'm absolutely just unable to provide any insight on for my listeners. Yeah. So as a busy parent, how do you find the time and frankly, the motivation to declutter? Yeah, I think that this is something I talk a lot about with my community because the thing is, is we don't have time, right? Especially, I mean, I most people these days don't have time with busy jobs and, and all their obligations. But when you add kids into the mix, it just gets a little crazier. And I think that a big thing to remember is that a big reason we don't have time is because of all the stuff in our house, because every single thing in our house is demanding time from us, whether it is like 20 seconds here or two minutes there, that all adds up when you have so many things. Like the average American home has 300,000 items in it, which is crazy. (laughs) That is crazy, crazy, right? And so, and then when you add kids, like I always hear like kids come with so much stuff. And I, and I used to say that too, because we think like when, when we become pregnant, we're like bombarded with baby registries and like all the stuff that we're supposed to have that we don't really need, sure. but we think we're supposed to have it. So we buy it cause we don't know any different. So, okay. I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I think just as parents, I think there comes a point where we just have to like put our foot down and be like, 
we can continue to live like this and continue to live in survival mode with zero time, or we can put a stop to it and slowly chip away at our homes and make it into a better situation for ourselves and for our family and realize like the motivation is that at the end of it, you'll have so much more time. Like I know the moms that I work with report an average of seven to 10 extra hours a week when they're done decluttering and putting systems into place, which is basically a full-time job for the month, like 40 hours a month of extra free time is crazy when you have kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Referring to it as survival mode is really eye-opening because Mm -hmm. it's not good to feel like you're in survival mode. So would you say that by putting in the time, because I can see some people saying, I don't really want to invest this much time. That sounds like too much effort. I don't have enough space in my schedule to do that. If they actually hunker down and start decluttering, would they be able to get out of that survival mode, in your opinion? When you declutter your home, I think that there's two steps, in my opinion, for busy moms. I think you have to declutter your home ruthlessly. And then number two, I think you have to implement systems and routines, especially when there's kids in the house that they need to get involved in the systems and routines also. And I think if you don't have both of those, then it's just going to go back to how it was before. Like it might last for a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months, but it's going to go back to that survival mode. And the thing I have to remind the moms I work with is that we have to do all this stuff in our house anyway, right? We have to get the laundry done. We have to get the kitchen clean. We have to be able to get our kids to school on time, not missing their library books. Like there's all stuff that we have to do anyway. So why don't we make it more simple and make it less time consuming and just make it run in a smoother fashion. I think that's great. And it sounds like a really good plan. My next question written down word for word is do you try (laughs) and get your teach your kids how to get in on the organizing process. So you're starting that (laughs) as young as six and three. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because my six-year-old is now like Miss Organizer. Like her favorite thing to do is go to the container store with me and like pick out things to organize her room. Um, And it's really cute. But I do think, I think you can get kids involved, honestly, as young as two or three. I don't think you can do much before that, but I think it's, if you have really, really young kids like that, it's an advantage because then they kind of grow up not knowing anything different. But I also think that kids at any age can learn new systems. It just takes, as they get older, it just is obviously going to take a little bit more working with them to get used to new systems. Absolutely. Well, I can definitely say my mom has definitely been influential. She would teach me and my two siblings how to declutter and organize. And by putting those systems into place as early as like four or five or six, she really ingrained that into us Mm -hmm. to where it's now become a regular part of my lifestyle as an adult. And, And that just like, that just goes to show like that's a true testament to how we're raised can obviously directly impact our lives as adults. And so for the moms that are listening, like, Think about 
all of the stress that your home has provided as far as clutter goes and the tension that it has created between you and your spouse. And then think about being able to completely reverse that for your kids, like your kids growing up in a different lifestyle so that when they're adults, they're not going to have that type of issue in their own home. Definitely words to live by for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see the I can see the merits to that. I have several friends who are parents and I know that they're overwhelmed and everything. And it, I just hear them saying, I, I just don't have time for that. I don't have time for this. And mm-hmm. that's a common complaint. Yeah. And I wanna also make really clear that just because you go through the decluttering process and you have really good systems in your home and everything that doesn't magically make, you know, the world in your home perfect, right? Right. Like it's not going to make your children behave 24 seven. They're still going to have tantrums. There's still going to be issues. It just makes it like a, like a blank slate. Like you're dealing with the day, um, not already behind and not already frustrated and not already overwhelmed and then dealing with all of the issues that can come up when you do have kids. Like for an example, my six-year-old um, broke her arm this fall when she was playing with the neighbor oh, kids no. outside. I know it was the saddest thing ever, but um, she was running and playing tag and she fell on a driveway and landed right on her elbow and broke it. And I know that that's kind of totally slowed everything down in our house because she didn't know how to use her arm anymore. And she was six years old. And so that was really difficult for her. And in the past, like that would have really thrown me and would have, it would absolutely have thrown us in the survival mode, right? Because the house would have already been a mess. And then I'm already dealing with that on top of everything else as a mom. But having the house kind of as that baseline, that clean slate, allowed it to give me the time and the energy to be able to focus more on her and what she needed from me in that time. And then I was able to let the house get a little behind because I knew that once I got her going and she felt more secure and could use her arm a little bit more, then I would be able to really like easily in a couple hours get the house back to where it needed to be, where in the past it probably would have taken a couple weeks to be able to reset. And I think you made a really good point in that living minimal-ish or minimally, it's a routine, not a magic wand. Mm-hmm. It's not a cure for exactly. all problems. It's just something to live by. Right. I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah, and I think the, the the problem is that it's really easy, especially if you're on Instagram and you follow a lot of like minimalist accounts, I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, life is perfect if you just live minimally. Yeah. You know, like you don't have problems or you don't you your car will never break down if oh it's God. clean and like you know, and so I think it's just a good reminder that life is still going to happen. Like kids are still going to be kids. You're still going to have issues. It's just feels a little bit easier to deal with some of those things when you don't have the added stress of your house having too much stuff in it. Absolutely. Just to be really candid with you and with my listeners, I am really bad at social media. I (laughs) really don't post as regularly as I would like. And sometimes it is because I feel that I don't have that perfect aesthetic nailed down. I can go and post quotes or talk about who I'm interviewing with and, you know, things like that. But I 
hesitate to post some images just because due to having run a YouTube channel for six years, the range of comments has really been varied. And Mm -hmm. it's important to remember that this is not the cure-all to everything. This is a way to live your life. It goes back to my clean, simple, free mantra, basically. Like, yeah, you have clean spaces. It's a more simple way of life and your mind feels freer. Mm -hmm. That's it. And social media can be a monster. You know, like it's I love Instagram is where I spend most of my time um, when it comes to my business. And I love it. Like it's my creative outlet. I really like the community on there and the people that DM me. And it's just been it's been really fun. But there is also a ton of criticism and some of the comment, like some of the DMs I got in the past, I I would sit there and be like, why would anyone take the time to be this negative towards (laughs) someone they don't know? You know, it's like, I'm trying to figure out how, like, what happened here? (laughs) But there's a um, lot of that on YouTube, too. People can be very hateful and very negative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I have learned and I am a very sensitive person. Like I am an empath and I take on other people's like negative energy really easily. And so I have had to learn how to develop a thick skin and I'm not always there yet. So I totally understand what you're saying. And there, I go through waves, like I'll share a ton on social media and then I'll get a couple of those DMs and I'll start to scale back a little bit. But then I have to remember that I can't let that bring me down too much. And I have to focus on the people that I know I'm helping and just let the people that disagree with me or think I'm a terrible parent, (laughs) like let them go, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Once, once, uh, once you've made it, the haters really start coming out of the woodwork. So just take it as encouragement with me. My problem is I'm recording, writing, recording, producing, and editing, and then publishing a new episode every week. So that takes up a lot yeah. of time. So posting on that Instagram. Is a lot. Yeah, it's just something that I know that I need to post more. So to my listeners out there, I will make that more of a priority. <laughs> it's that time where we take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, more tips from Diana Renee. And welcome back to episode 32's interview. So speaking of Instagram, I was going to say, in addition to your blog, um, your Instagram has amazing quotes, parenting tips, and organizing tips. It's really great. I'm going to link to your Instagram in the show notes so that everyone listening can check it out. Where else people find you online? So I'm also on Facebook. Um, I have a page on there. But honestly, Instagram is probably the most active place I am. And then I also love email. I know not everyone is on Instagram. So if anyone ever wanted to reach me, they can also email me. And I'm happy. I, I still personally respond to everything. It ta- it's time consuming, but I take pride in it. I'm like very stubborn about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. I will go ahead and put your um, Facebook page, your Instagram page, your blog, and your email address in the show notes. So anyone interested in contacting Diana with any questions can just scroll down and go to that. There is one blog article in particular that I want to discuss. And that's an okay. entry that's called Resisting the Consumer Culture. Yes. This is something that I'm a big advocate for just because it makes such a difference 
In this article, just to summarize, you talk about how you were moving with a small amount of possessions, you were content, and then you started buying again once you relocated. And you can Mm -hmm. elaborate more on this article if you like, but my question for you is, what are some practical steps that people can take to break this habit of retail therapy or mindless shopping? So in this in this article, I talk about moving cross country and I literally moved from Michigan to Colorado with whatever I could fit in my little Saturn Ion, which they don't even make anymore. <laughs> um, I actually it was just a... recently sold my Saturn Ion. <laughs> Did you? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that so thing was still plugging along. Oh my God. That That's awesome. Saturns were, they were, yeah, they lasted forever. Yeah. So I, you know, sold all my furniture and everything. And I just brought what I could fit in the back seat in the trunk because my mom made the trip with me. And I got here to Colorado and I got this apartment and I just started filling it with stuff. And it was like, I was fine without that stuff. And I don't know why I just felt like I had to like, oh, I have this space that needs to be filled. So now in my current journey, I've realized that we have to break that process. Otherwise, we'll just be decluttering every single day for the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's right. kind of pointless. So some of the things that I personally do um, to be able to battle this, because I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I like shop for therapy. However, I do find, especially with my kids and like clothes and things like that, I find myself making excuses that I need to, uh, I have to buy that because she needs this for dance class or whatever, when I totally don't need to. So some of the things I do is I'll add things to my cart online, but I'm not allowed to buy the same day that I add something to my cart. So usually sleeping on it makes me realize, okay, I don't really actually need that, or we don't really need to spend the money on that. Some other things is that I have developed in the past couple of years through this journey, just like a a lot of education and understanding around like what we're doing to our environment. And so that's something that I remind myself and I ask myself questions around too, when I'm wanting to buy something is like, am, am I willing to put this in a landfill in two years when I decide I'd no longer need it or want it? Um, and so it's kind of like, honestly, it's kind of guilting yourself, which maybe isn't (laughs) the best thing, but, um, it's reminding yourself that you don't really need this. And if you do, or if you do really want it, then what else do you, can you get rid of in its place? But I think that this is just one of those things that takes time, I think, way more than the actual decluttering process. Like changing that, that mindset takes a lot longer because we have been developing that mindset for however long we've been alive. And um, we're so used to buying and buying and buying and never learned how to let go unless, you know, unless your parents did teach you that. So, um those are just some of the small things that I do to kind of slow it down. I call it in, in my program, I call it slowing your roll <laughs> when you get to that point. Because I love it. You, yeah, you do. You just have to kind of slow down and think um, and not just mindlessly buy things because you're in Target and the, you know, the dollar spot in the front, like you find all those things that look really cute, but in 10 days, they're just going to become clutter in your house. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> that that area is dangerous. I purposely go I in avoid- a different door when yes. I go to Target. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's great advice. And yeah, we we do live in a consumer culture in America. Mm-hmm. Going to PetSmart is like, oh my god, she totally needs this <laughs> new sweater. Right. She would look so cute in this Christmas sweater and just stuff like that. And I have yeah. to remind myself to use your word, slow my roll. Um, yeah <laughs> just focus on what is actually what am I actually there for what is on my list and yeah. if I want to think about it and come back later that's a really you have a really great strategy and a really great philosophy yeah and it's it's funny because it's like I think that there can be a compromise too you know and I think that if you're like all or nothing then it becomes really hard to sustain but just for an example recently my girl's are really liking matching like they love like they love matching outfits which I will take because I never want that to end because it's the cutest thing ever but because I know they're going to be teenagers soon enough like fighting over clothes right and (laughs) so I was on I got on my computer and I started looking at all these cute matching outfits and I before I knew it I had like 14 dresses that were matching and and then I was like, you know what, Diana, this is dumb, first of all. And what if I just let them pick one matching outfit from this website instead? And so that's what we did. And they got to pick and they were really, really excited about it. And we ordered it. It provided me like the same emotional joy that I was looking for, but it also didn't bring 28 dresses into our house <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, no, that's that's a really cool way to put it because your girls were happy with that and you were happy overall and it brought in less clutter so that's a really excellent example yeah well what advice would you offer for those who feel like they want to start living simpler clutter-free lives but don't really know where to begin so I have a couple things I think if you want to start like you're listening to this and you want to just begin right now then Something that I always tell people to do, we just did this as part of that five-day challenge, is to go take everything off the front of your fridge, like every magnet, every save the day, every picture, every kid's artwork. It doesn't matter what it is. Just take it off your fridge. I won't make you throw it away. You can put it in a drawer for just seven days and just observe how differently you feel in your kitchen for the next seven days because Um, I hear a lot of people say that their kitchen feels cleaner, even though nothing else has changed. It feels more open. It feels free. It feels lighter. It feels more spacious. Um, And that is just kind of like a taste into what having less clutter can feel like in your home. So I think that's like the number one thing I always tell people to do. They usually think I'm crazy, (laughs) but... (laughs) Then they try it and they're like, oh, okay, this actually is kind of nice. But um, I also do have a free decluttering jumpstart guide, which I can give you the link for that. Um, And it's just 10 really simple decluttering tasks that you can do in your home to just kind of get the momentum going and, and just starting. That's a really, really excellent idea just to start with such a simple, small area that makes such a big difference mentally. Yeah, and it's interesting because there was actually a study done, I believe, by UCLA that showed 
that the amount of items that someone had on the front of their fridge directly correlated to the level of clutter in their home. So like the more stuff on the front of the fridge typically meant that they had more stuff in their house all over the place. Yeah. So I think it's just like a really nice starting point where you're not really addressing the actual clutter yet, but it kind of jumpstarts that momentum. And the other thing is I see all the time people starting in really difficult areas of their home, like, like almost all the time people start with their clothes Mm -hmm. or they start with kids toys. And while I think that you can do that, I think it's a lot harder because there's so much emotion and there's, there's likely to be more sentimental items that are more difficult to wade through as you're decluttering. So I definitely recommend starting with areas of your home that, you're not going to run into that as much like bathrooms and like linen closets and just simple areas like that. Absolutely. I think that about covers it. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up the episode? I just want to encourage your listeners, especially if you are a busy mom, you don't have to be in survival mode all the time. Like this isn't a sentence until your kids are gone. Um, and you can live a more peaceful and calm life in your home and you can enjoy your kids and you can enjoy having the extra time with them and be able to be more intentional and purposeful. Just know that like we've this today, knowing that, that it doesn't have to be this hard. I think that's really well put. And those are words of wisdom and moms out there after they listen to this episode are probably like, Oh my gosh, yay, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So <laughs> Right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. I had me fun. too. All right. Take care, Diana. Hopefully this chat has helped inspire you, whether you're a mom or not. Maybe you'll feel like living minimally is more possible now. And if you're struggling with stress, I hope this was a good reminder that you don't have to carry on in survival mode forever. Check out Diana Renee on Instagram. She has some really great stuff that she posts regularly. And drop her an email by visiting the links in the show notes. There's also a link to download Diana's Quick Start Decluttering Guide. So check that out and let the clutter clearing freely flow. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when your life is simplified, your mind will feel free. See you next week.